Welcome to Desirability Alt, where we'll explore the intersections of disability, desire, and alternative relationships. I'm your host, Angela Carr. This podcast is intended for an adult audience who identifies with or is curious about alternative relationships, including kink, BDSM, non-monogamy, total power exchange, and more. This content is not suitable for those under the age of 18. Get ready, listen by yourself, or gather with your partners and enjoy this episode. Hey everybody, I'm so excited for you to hear this interview today. I had a great discussion with Amin Lakani. Amin is a comedian, writer, and disabled anti-hero. He was born with a neuromuscular condition called Charcot-Marie-Tooth syndrome, which causes his muscles to atrophy. He has used a power chair since the age of 15. He gained internet notoriety as the dating coach on wheels. He now shares his life lessons and dark humor online, on podcasts, and other places. Help me welcome Amin Lakani. Amin, welcome. Hey, thanks, Angela. Thanks for having me on. Yes, excited to see you. Thanks for coming. Now, how are you doing today? I'm doing pretty good. Uh, feeling energetic. Um, what about you? Oh, pretty good. Thanks. I was excited to talk with you and have you on the show. I've heard you on Andrew Gerza's show and uh-huh. got to connect on some social media platforms. So it's excited to see you. Yeah, me too. You're my first friend from, I think we've connected on a few platforms, but you're my first person that I've talked to uh, on FetLife that I've talked to like face-to-face um, awesome. that, I've, that I met on FetLife. So I'm like, cool, this is, this is dope. Yeah. Okay. So I just want to ask you some questions and uh, sure. can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Sure. Um, so my name is Amin. I'm a comedian, a writer, and a disabled anti-hero. Uh, and my disability is called uh, Charcot-Marie-Tooth syndrome, which is a, it's not exactly muscular dystrophy, but it has similar manifestations. So it's kind of grouped under the muscular dystrophy umbrella. Uh, And it causes my muscles to atrophy over time, but it is a primarily neuro, uh, it's a neuromuscular condition. Uh, I've had it since birth. Um, and if I cough on people, they will catch it as well. Um, so be careful about that. Not only are you at risk for COVID right now, but also at risk for CMT. <laughs> uh, but anyway, totally joking. Uh, you can't catch it uh, unless, um, I guess, like I had sex with your mom or something, because then, because it's passed on through, um, uh, what's it called? It, it's inherited. Um, but anyway, so... That's, that's me. I'm a full-time power wheelchair user. Um, I don't look like the typical uh, male sort of symbol that we've been uh, indicated as attractive. Like I do, I'm not like ripped. I'm actually very, I'm like rail thin, um, super twiggy looking. Um, and uh, yeah, so like I'm very different from, I think the traditional, um, dating scene as well as kink scene. Um, and yeah, I, I had some experience in the past as a dating coach myself. So I've, uh, I was really bad at social skills, including dating, learned how to do all that by hiring my own dating coach. And then eventually decided to help other people by sharing what I had learned. So I did that for a little bit of time and still write about it here and there, but focus more on comedy these days. Awesome. I'm very handsome too, if, I'm, if I may say so. Oh, I mean, that's just a given, right? <laughs> but thank you. I appreciate it. Okay. So tell me, how did you find your way into the kink scene? How did you get into started? So we're allowed to be super graphic, right? Yes. Like no, no holds apart. Okay. No holds apart. Um, I was dating, I was dating this girl and I, I didn't know anything about kink and um, 
I just started sort of like telling her what to do in the bedroom and she seemed to really enjoy it. And I thought it was really hot. And um, like one time I, she was at my place and I was coming back from seeing some friends and I was like, I, I, don't, I was just coming up with random shit that I thought would be hot. Uh, like just living out fantasies. I was like, I want you to greet me at the door in like just your underwear. Um, Cause I was like, that's like, I, I don't know if that's a specific scene from some movie, but like, it's always like the, the fantasy. Right. Um, mm-hmm. So I was like, okay, let's just do this. So, and we just were into that. Um, we're just, we kind of just fell into that like dominant submissive role and we both really enjoyed it. And then uh, I've since enjoyed it in other relationships. Um, and yeah. And then I started, I was like, I got curious about it. I was like, am I like psychopathic? Like, are we just weird in this regard? Or like, are other people okay with this? Started reading um, some books on kink, some like stories, like more, um, what's it called? Uh, not uh, some fiction, some like erotic fiction. And I was like, oh, okay, this is a thing. Uh, like if I'm interested in this book, there must be other people that are also interested in this book. And then eventually found a kink uh, community in Seattle uh, and they had like a play space and like community events. So I went there, like did my new member orientation and stuff and um, then like went to a few events, but never really got too involved in the community. Uh, but like was like saw people having sex like in front of me at like in the play space and all that. And um, yeah, so that's kind of how I got into it. Nice. Well, I'm glad that you uh, read up and, and started finding dif- different events and things. That's great. Yeah. Cause I was like, Oh, I know a lot about dating culture, but like, I want to get into this thing. So like, I, I don't know how to do that. I think I read um, the, the dot new dominance guide or something like that. Cause I was always like, okay, how do I do this? Well, how do I make sure that person's not like getting damaged? Cause like, I, I mean, I was, like within different dating experiences, I was telling people I was dating, I was giving some commands that like in regular society would be seen as very um, not okay. So I want to make sure that I wasn't trespassing or passing any boundaries or anything. And um, so I learned all about like king consent and the red, yellow, or red, red, yellow, red, yellow, Red, yellow, green, light system, safe words, all that stuff. So, yeah. Yeah. What about you? How did you get into it? I don't know if you want to talk about that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, So, I started off actually in the poly community. I came in with my husband. Okay. And I feel like, well, I'm actually a widow. Oh, okay. And, um, but I'm I'm with a new partner now. I have a a Sarah now as well. Um, But I came in with my husband. About uh-huh. eight years into my marriage, I realized that I was bisexual. Okay. And then, uh, yeah, so then I started dating women. Okay. And How did he like that? He was supportive. It, it was okay. interesting. Nice. It was interesting at first because um, I think at first he thought I was only going to be interested in women, but I was interested right. in people of all genders. Um, but, you know, he was okay with that as well, eventually. Okay. Right. <laughs> Um, yeah, so he was very supportive of me nice. kind of finding my way and he wasn't as involved with, um, going to different events and okay. meetups. Like I would go to a lot of poly meetups and see. which um, area are you events. in? I'm in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. Oh, Philly. Okay, cool. Yeah. I went to school in Philly. Oh, nice. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, so he wasn't as involved in it, but he ended up meeting someone he, ended up in another long-term relationship so oh cool really oh wow yeah nice. and uh so yeah it was really good and then um he passed away uh almost six years ago okay um, and uh and then i actually met my sir my sir was someone that my husband and i both knew oh okay um which is nice and yeah uh, he's got yeah. that contact already yeah exactly um, no, I've been with him. Actually, we're just about to celebrate our five-year anniversary. So. Oh wow! Congratulations. Thank you. Yeah. So, did you, with some of your experiences in kink, um, 
what were some of your first experiences? How do you, were you feel that you were treated well as a person with a disability coming into the kink scene? Uh, I, I mean, I was welcomed by the organizers. Like I never felt anything um, like off with the organizers. Um, I was, I was, everyone was welcome, right? Cause the, like at the surface level, like the, what's it called? The, the thing they say is like, everyone's welcome, you know, no, no discrimination um, for whatever you could think of. And that was really awesome. Um, but at the, at the play parties, I don't know if it was like that I was treated differently because I had a disability or just, I was very new to the scene and like, I didn't, I just felt like maybe it was a little clicky. And I don't know if that was just because I was disabled, but um, I just assumed it's because I was new and didn't really know how to like navigate the space. Um, I made like a couple connections of people that would like, you know, chat with me or I, I, I'm a very forward person in that like I will go and strike up conversations with people. Um, like I won't just sit in the corner but I remember distinctly at a play event just being like, oh my God, like, who do I talk to? Like, cause I felt like there were all these rules that I didn't know. And I was, and they had scared the living daylights out of me of like, of breaking a rule. So I was like, okay, I don't want to break a rule, but I also like want to talk to people. So like, I, I just felt scared because the rules were so explicit. Whereas in the rest of society, they're not. So but I don't know, maybe that's not a bad thing. I think it's good for people to feel safe in that space and maybe the safety of the community is more important. So I didn't, I didn't, I wasn't too like butthurt by it. I was just like, okay, like I'm just not really, it didn't seem like I was fitting in great there. I ended up going to a board game night uh, at the place which I, where I felt more comfortable just chatting with people because it wasn't like, I wasn't as at risk of like, like oh my god like i talked to someone's sub without like their permission and like they're gonna slash my tires or something right like uh that's less likely to happen i think at a more casual event i did go to i went to some munches uh, and actually at the board game uh, event i ended up going on a date with someone from there and i actually even went to her place and played board games with her and some of her friends um so it was like it wasn't all terrible, but um, I never like dated anyone through that thing. So, which doesn't mean it didn't work out. It's just like, I, I don't, I also, it was kind of far for me. It was about a 45 minute drive from where I was. Um, how far is the, or do you go to a play space in Philly? Not currently. I have right. in the past. Yeah. Um, you know, there is one, it's interesting. There's one that's close to me, but it's also very close to where I used to work. Okay. <laughs> and so that was a concern for me, unfortunately. Uh, okay. um, but, you know, I mostly now I go to munches and then sometimes, sometimes the people at munches, once you get to know each other, will yeah. have a party after the munch or more private parties. Okay. I'll do that more often now. Okay. Um, but I have. I guess that's good to go. That's good yeah. to know. Like I was only went to like one or two events and I was like, uh, like, okay, I guess this is not for me, but I think I, I, I did go to a virtual munch mm -hmm. recently and I ended up like private chatting with this couple who was on it who seemed like friendly. And I was like, is this usual for the course? Cause there was some like, like people, like one person was just going off. And I was like, is this usual for this group? And they're like, yeah, usually there's somebody who's kind of just talking a lot. Um, I guess they were still open to coming. So, but anyway, you were saying. Yeah, I, you know, it's, it's interesting because, you know, as I've been in it longer, yeah, I feel like I found a community and I found people that I consider my close knit friends and oh, cool. um, almost like a second family, um, yeah. chosen family. Right. Um, and uh, that's been really nice. So, um, yeah, like even after my husband passed, it was the right. people in this community that were like reaching out to me and helping me out. Oh, cool. Like that. So, 
So yeah, I'm really lucky in that way. And I think I agree with you too about like coming in and being new. It's, it's a whole different experience. Um, you know, but I also, I, I don't think it had anything to do with my disability. Um, I think for me, as far as my experience, I w felt more welcome at kink events than I did uh, in the vanilla world. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah, I felt like, because um, I'm sort of the opposite. You said um, you can be very forward. I'm very shy. Yeah. Oh, okay. And so when I came into a munch, yeah. I remember people um, just coming over to me and talking with me and yeah. you know, they weren't like taken back because I walked with crutches. They okay. weren't so, you know, trying to avoid me, that kind of thing. Yeah. Do you and, think it has anything to do with you being a woman, I, I not to assume gender, but versus um, yeah. like, cause I remember what, I remember at that event where I was like, oh my God, like, I just feel like I'm, I, I don't feel comfortable leaving this wall. Um, mm -hmm. I remember looking around and there were like very few women and they were pretty much all surrounded. And then like, there were dudes kind of just hanging out. Yeah, I, I definitely think it has something, it has some to do with that. I know that I was much more comfortable coming in than my husband was. Okay. You know, because people were concerned if he was going over and talking to them, you know, yeah. what were his motives and, yeah. and things of that sort. I felt like I was perceived as an immediate threat. Uh huh. Uh, which I felt was like a little unfair. Uh -huh. But it, yeah. yeah. Not, not only because I don't think I'm a threat, but also like physically I can't be a threat. So I don't know. Yeah. My husband was also a big guy with uh, a lot of tattoos and stuff. So uh, I think people yeah. felt a little, even though he was the, the nicest person you could meet, people right. were still a little hesitant to get to know him. Right. He probably would have been super welcome in Seattle because there's everyone's tatted in Seattle. Yeah. 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 So you mentioned you were a dating coach. How did you get started doing that? Yeah. So I really struggled with social skills, like in the vanilla world um, growing up and had a tough time making friends. So when I finally graduated college, started my first job, um, I was like, okay, I'm going to figure this out. So I hired a dating coach uh, because I also was worried. I was like, well, you know, will, will anyone ever be interested in me because of my disability? And the first girl I actually dated or asked out on a date um, when I told her that I was interested in her as more than friends, um, she said, I, um, I just don't see myself dating somebody in a wheelchair. And I was, that was pretty devastating. And for, you know, a few months I tried to essentially like change her mind, but kept talking to her. And then eventually I was like, okay, I just need to, I need to learn this because I, I thought I did everything to get the girl, but it obviously didn't work out. So I hired my own dating coach. He completely changed my life. I've uh, been on a ton of dates now, been in relationships um, and also ex got to explore kink, right? Like inadvertently uh, explored poly a little bit as well. And uh, so I decided to share what I had learned uh, more so just it started as me just wanting to share, like I wanted to just not be ashamed about hiring a dating coach anymore. And I just shared my story. And then eventually I was like, oh, well maybe I can just teach other people about this because it's really fun to talk about. Mm -hmm. Awesome. So yeah, I did that for a little bit. Yeah. I was kind of similar. Um, I do presentations and I write blogs and oh, I got okay. started in that because I realized I had questions and I had experiences that were different from other folks. Yeah. And so I wanted to share my experiences with other people. Yeah. So where, when did you start that? When you were first getting into kink? Actually a little afterwards. It was interesting. Okay. So I've been in the kink lifestyle since about... 2012 maybe okay. and I started doing presentations and writing a blog in 2017 okay cool and 
in the beginning, I only was talking about disability relationships and sex. I wasn't talking about kink at all. Okay. Um, I was afraid to. I see. Um, because, you know, sometimes, you know, parents of people with disabilities may get upset if we're talking about sex and kink and, and all those things. Do you think so, it's disabilities or just in general? I think for people with disabilities, because I see like adults with disabilities yeah. and their parents are, right. you know, or they're concerned about what their parents might think about it. Right. I definitely feel that way. Yeah. I feel like I've, as a person with a disability, I feel like I'm always trying to fight this like internal battle to like, I feel like people want me to be this angel and like, I'm like, I'm most definitely not. And, but then, but I feel this pressure to conform to their perception of what a disabled person should be mm-hmm. and I feel like I'm transgressing something when I talk about sex I mean partially that's what makes it fun mm-hmm. but also I like why should it feel so transgressive to talk about kink or all these like non-traditional sexual things yeah yeah and so I was just talking about vanilla dating and sex and Okay. And I come to realize I was doing my presentations and people were asking me about kinks and oh, flogging. Really? And, yeah. Yeah. So I was like, huh, maybe there's other people with disabilities out there interested in kink too. Right. So then I started talking about that and sharing about everything. So yeah. I feel much more nice. authentic now. Yeah, like I can kind of be myself. And... Yeah. I definitely hint at it in my blog posts. Uh-huh. Um, you know, I'll hint at like kinky things. Um, but I won't necessarily get too far into it because I'm like, I don't know if people want to hear this, you know, mm-hmm. like maybe just leave it at the surface level. Right. Yeah. yeah. So can we get into talking about like kinks, like what, mm-hmm. um, how, like, or I don't know, with, with regards to disability, are there things in terms of kink and disability? Like I have thought at times that like kink can be a, really great tool for people with disabilities who um, don't have as much physical function. Um, like I know for me, it's added a different layer to the intimacy um, that I can't achieve. Like in a lot of cases, um, like one partner may want to be sort of like more submissive and that's not, even though I have the dominant sort of like energy and I enjoy that, I'm, it's hard for me to do it physically. Like I, I just, I would, it's not believable, right? That I would be able to physically dominate someone. But using things like verbal commands has given me sort of like a stand-in for that. Um, and it's, it's almost like a different level of submission. It's like a, it's a, I don't know, essentially a more willful submission. I mean, they're both, well, you want them to both be consensual and willful, but it's like, um, I don't know. So sometimes I feel like, uh, like I do wish I could do the physical as well, but also the verbal is really nice because it's like there's nothing, by, there's nothing binding us there other than just like the story between ourselves, right? So yeah, and that's hot too because yeah, I think even um, sometimes my Sarah can just give me a look and I know yeah. what I'm supposed to be doing. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, that's really hot. Like uh, uh, one time I was playing um, playing a card game with a bunch of friends at my place and uh, someone I was dating. And like she challenged me in the game. And like I think I just shot her some sort of look and uh, she immediately like backpedaled on it or something. And it was like it was like a little like secret between her and I that nobody else knew what was going on, which was also really hot. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. Yeah, we have a lot of different protocols and things for when we go out to restaurants to eat for me and things like that. Yeah. So Oh, he'll order for you? Yes. Oh, cool. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Which sometimes confuse waitresses or waiters. Okay. (laughs) What do you mean confuse them? Oh, because that's not very common. Right. Okay. But you enjoy it. Me and then he orders for me and yeah. and I just smile and then they 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 look at him and they look at me. <laughs> but obviously, like he really knows what you like, right? So he like does. that's yeah. It's like a it's a 
it's a very loving thing. Yeah. Um, and it didn't start off that way. Like in the beginning, I would tell him, yeah, I want to eat this. And then he would order it for me. Um, oh, okay. Yeah. And now he just kind of knows what I eat. That's so right wild. Yeah. Yeah, especially right. because I have um, stomach problems too with my okay. disability. So yeah. there's certain things I can eat, certain things I can't eat. Yeah. Yeah. So is there ever a time where you order for you and you're like, no, I want something different? Yeah. <laughs> and you'll, so you'll say it or you'll just eat it? Um, it depends on, it, it depends. So it depends. <laughs> if we are, honestly, if we're at, an event, yeah. I will order, I will eat what he orders for me. Event, um, you mean like a kink event? Yes. Okay. Yeah, if we're at a kink right. event, I will yeah. eat what he orders. Um, okay. Sometimes if we're alone, I'll be like, yeah. ah, I really didn't want that. Um, <laughs> but I'm not to say it in front of the waitress or the waiter. Ah, That's okay. the, the trick. I have I to wait until it's just the two of us alone. Right. So maintain, <laughs> maintain the um the appearance i guess right right okay <laughs> i'm sure they can usually reverse it by the time they you uh, you let them know yeah yeah okay but but are there times where he gets it absolutely right oh yeah definitely most oh yeah that's awesome right yeah and yeah. honestly most of the time when we're by ourselves like we'll go to certain restaurants and he knows this is what i get at that restaurant right it's yeah. i see so you're not you're yeah, not a super adventurous no. Uh, once you okay once you know what you like <laughs> right that's fair yeah yeah that's cool any other are, are there other protocols you have maybe you've talked about this in other episodes that you feel like are distinct to um, a something to do with disability so i can't kneel okay um but what we do we have our own ritual where he'll come home and we both sit on the couch and I'll take off his boots. Okay. So that's our ritual instead of meal. I see. Right. That's, mm-hmm. um, yeah, like I, I mean, obviously, like I, well, I don't know if it's obvious, but I have um, assistants or caregivers who help me with dressing and undressing. And so like, obviously that's something like, it was also like, it made that part of my experience with someone like more, hot instead of like medical Mm -hmm. so like instead of being like okay can you help me take my pants off now it's like like i command each step right and it's it's like it adds to the hotness and intimacy as opposed to it being which is which is why i think kink is kind of i mean i would say it's kind of essential if you have a disability because otherwise it's it's this very medical or like procedural thing to do things like oh can you move me this way um yeah especially as the maybe as on the submissive side it might be yeah i guess you could also say like sir could you do this or that right like which adds which kind of continues the intimacy instead of breaking that um yeah, I don't know. Honestly, I I don't understand how people have vanilla sex. Like it's so it's so foreign to me. <laughs> like if they're not constantly talking about things, I'm like, well, what are you doing? Mm-hmm. I What's think that? I learned. I think I learned about things, the importance of consent, and and yeah, talk about consent through kink because right. we're all so good at it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I I think I. Uh, yeah, I wrote a blog post about consent and the, the line I wrote in there of like, learn consent from the, you know, I learned it from the people that do it best, right? Like the people that are like kinky as fuck because like they're getting consent to do like wild shit. So like if they're getting it at that level and you're applying it for like, you know, vanilla sex, essentially, then you're going to be, you know, you're doing a good job if yeah. you're using it for that. Yeah. Yeah. And I know like when he and I started as far as kinky play, I remember he would have me, some of my duties would be to to write out fantasies and different things that I wanted to do. And then we would incorporate that that into the play. Maybe it's that one later. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, so then he would help you figure out how to make it a reality. 
Right. Because obviously the fantasies don't, I, I mean, not obviously, but probably didn't involve, you know, the disability aspect, right? Right. You know, it's always, okay. it's always everything runs perfectly smoothly in a fantasy. Right, right. <laughs> the reality yeah. of it's like, oh, wait, that position doesn't work. <laughs> yeah, right. So what type of advice would you have for people in kink or in vanilla relationships? Uh, disability specific or just yeah. in general? Disability specific. Well, it, it's, um, I guess I, I always start with, like, there's some basic tenets, right? For And you mean for dating, right? To have more, yeah. like, romantic relationships, um, not, like, advice for, like, just human, being a human being. Um, I'd start with, <laughs> yeah, maybe. I mean, I, think, I don't think these things don't apply to that. So things I learned from my dating coach, which I teach, are uh, three steps. One is uh, you want to look and feel good. So uh, dress yourself in a way that feels good to you, uh, especially if you have a visible disability. Um, I used to hide myself a lot when I was younger, but now I'm very... I mean, I'm more subdued now, but I had a phase where I just wore very flashy things. Um, I didn't, I invited attention towards me. Even now I wear very, very skinny jeans that like hug my, my, they're like a second skin and my legs are very, very skinny. So I think they're kind of eye-catching. And that just lets people know that, hey, I'm okay with who I am and it's okay for you to look, right? Um, and then the second point is to, uh, in order to have people be interested in you, it's not that you need to have any good stories. Uh, you, don't, it, you don't have to be interesting. You have to be interested. Like people love to talk about themselves. So if you just ask good questions and give them the space to share, they're going to automatically love you. So like do that first instead of just sharing what you think is awesome or what crazy stories you have, um, just get interested in other people. And then finally, uh, the third one is to just go for it. Um, my dating coach, you know, when I told him like, I don't think anybody would be interested in me because of my disability or the way I look or my wheelchair, he said something that still stands out to me. He said, look, maybe, and I'm interested in women. So he said, look, maybe 95 out of 100 women won't be interested in you because of your condition. Maybe it'll be a, you know, like a immediate disqualification. Let's even say it's 99 out of 100. Are you going to let that stop you or are you going to um, get through the 99 no's to get to the 100, the, the one yes? And I was like, well, I really want this. So I'm gonna go through the no's. And I just became really, really, okay with rejection uh, or not okay necessarily but i became really good at inviting it in and just putting myself out there and seeing rejection as not you know not not just it is hard and hurtful and you do need to process it but i saw it also as a path forward that okay i'm just one step closer to the yes mm-hmm. and yeah it, it worked out great so um, I mean, I went, I've probably asked out on the order of, I don't know, 2,500 to 3,000 women at this point, probably maybe more, I don't know. Um, and yeah, so, so it's been good as far as disability goes, a piece of advice in specific I have is if you have a visible disability to, uh, say something kind of lighthearted about it, as soon as you meet someone to let people know that, hey, um, like I know I have this disability uh, because that's immediately what they're thinking, right? We, humans are wired to notice things that are uncommon and we are, but society teaches us that rightfully so that we shouldn't ask people about their disabilities straight off the bat. Um, somebody yesterday just like, I thought I was just having a casual conversation with them and out of nowhere, they're like, oh, what do you have? And I was, I was just like taken aback. Mm-hmm. Um, and like the, I knew this person didn't mean any harm by it. And once I said like, oh, I have muscular dystrophy. They're like, oh yeah, like a friend of mine had, 
you know, a spinal cord injury and like, uh, like I witnessed that and it was really tough. And I know they were just trying to connect. Um, and it was also someone that didn't have like the best grasp of the English language. So I was a little bit more forgiving. Um, but I was like, oh yeah, like obviously people have this on their mind, right? So if you can address it really easily, like with a wheelchair, I use a wheelchair. So I just say, when I go up to someone or meet someone, I say, hey, I just have to roll over here and say hi. And that's like very simple, but it usually gets them to laugh because um, it's not funny to me, but I think it's funny to them because they're like, oh, like, yes, this person knows that I was thinking this thing. So uh, you could use that or um, it could be more um, flirtatious, like, uh, I don't have a good example off the top of my head, but if I'm, if I think someone's attractive, uh, I'll definitely try to make it a little bit more flirtatious. Um, so, or like, I'll be like, um, excuse me, like, uh, why are you not pushing me around? Like, I think that's your job right now or something. Um, and uh, yeah, or I'll try to use it to be cheeky and um, get them get get them to laugh and just like be feel at ease about it. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. I um when I first started doing sex education, I was actually yeah. working with a direct sales company, uh, Pure Romance. They sell adult okay. toys and things like that. Yeah. But nice. I ended up reading a book called Go for No. Uh-huh. And it, so it talked about like in business, yeah. Um, you know, don't let rejection stop you. Keep going because right. eventually yeah. you'll get, you know, you'll get to a yes. Right. So I like that. And, um, and I was also thinking about when you were talking about, you know, addressing the, the disability right on when my sir and I started dating. So he has, he has four fingers on one hand okay. and his arms are a little shorter and it was a birth effect he was born with yeah and you know he kind of made a joke and he said you know you know if you notice my hands and then he said like if you don't if you didn't notice my hands I'm a little upset you didn't notice yeah yeah you know and it was just cute and it made me laugh yeah right yeah it puts it puts everyone at ease right because exactly um it's and I think it's a very confident self-assured thing to do kind of saying kind of like saying like yeah this is who I am and I'm okay with it because if you can laugh about something usually means you're okay with it right you want to tell us a little bit about your comedy work and uh sure so it started from my public speaking work so as I was doing dating coaching uh actually that all started with public speaking Mm -hmm. I decided to do public speaking because I was like well what can I do that'll set me apart and make me and make me attractive and make me a ton of money? And I was like, well, I have a clear advantage in the public speaking world because I use a wheelchair, so people are going to listen to me uh, pretty much no matter what, and I'll have their attention. It'll be a little easier. And I ended up just talking about dating a lot, and the public speaking was really cool. But after a while, I was like, oh man, I'm just. I'm just the inspirational guy in a wheelchair. I'm kind of just like tired of just, it's, it felt too easy, right? I was like, I don't know if these people are actually clapping because they, what I'm saying is resonating or if they're just like being nice and polite. So I started doing some stand-up comedy. I mean, obviously not the stand-up part, but like some, you know, onstage comedy. And I, I really liked it because it was a true challenge. Like, yes, I had people's attention, but I, the challenge to make them laugh was the same. Like, everybody was on equal footing in that regard. And people are pretty vicious, like, in a, not vicious, but comedy is tough, right? Like, if you are not funny, people will not laugh. They'll, they'll applaud for you out of pity, but laughing is a very visceral reaction. So, yeah, that's how I got into it. And then started doing videos, like comedy videos. Um, I actually have a series with my uh, assistant slash caregiver who is, he and I are very just lewd and like open and honest with each other. And uh, we make fun of each other. And while he's helping me get dressed, um, I I videotaped 
a bunch of our conversations and edited them and just put them online. So um, nice. it's been, it, and they're really funny. So great. My husband who passed away, he was a stand-up comedian. Oh really? Yeah, nice. yeah, and he got into it because he, I think he went to a couple of open mics, and uh, yeah, so he had fun with that. It's probably the most like attractive thing you can do, right? Because it's uh -huh. like people like to want to with their. I guess that's another tip, like try to get into some comedy thing, um, because people want to have fun with in dating, right? It's not just mm -hmm. like oh, I'm attracted to this person. You also want to have a good time, so. Right. And we all have those, some of those stories we can share, right? Yeah. Right. That are kind of ridiculous. So, um. yeah. <laughs> awesome. Are there questions that you get asked about from folks with disabilities? Um, or, or what would, would you say would be the question you get asked most about sex and disability? I feel like the question I get asked most is more about like, how do I get a date? like like the sex part is more um you know i'd love to talk more about sex and like be more of a sex educator i think i just do a minimum amount because i'm like okay well the biggest issue or the not issue the biggest challenge get in the way of people that have been coming to me is just getting to the date like sex is kind of further down the line mm -hmm. um but as far as my personal life it's it's interesting nobody has asked me directly like what it, how do you have sex or anything i think maybe because i am a you know public dating coach and like put myself out there and all that people kind of just assume like okay it must happen somehow um but i know people so one of those videos i did with my assistant uh which was really funny was where um he shared that people have asked him because we post stuff online and people all saw it and people asked him if he's seen my dick and if I have sex and how I have sex and all that are uh yeah and um so his like his response was like um his response was really funny he said you know uh yeah I've seen this dick uh or no someone asked him have you seen his have you seen Amin's dick or like you're, you know, the person you help have seen his dick. And he was like, well, it's kind of hard to see when it's in my mouth. So, <laughs> um, but yeah, he, he's got a real good sense of humor about it. So apparently people are asking, but they're asking people that know me and not me directly. Because I think they, um, they know that it's weird to ask or they know that I'll give them a really snarky answer and make them feel kind of dumb. I get that all the time too. People ask questions of the person I'm with. Yeah. <laughs> that asking me directly. Right. Yeah. Um, Do you need help with that? Right. Oh, <laughs> uh, right. Yeah. <laughs> Even in general things. Right. Yeah. It's like, oh, like, yeah, I can't, <laughs> I can't speak for myself apparently. Right. Right. Yeah. And that was interesting for me too. Um, being in a, dominant submissive relationship yeah because typically the protocol is for people to go up to the dominant or the master and say hey that's right right, right. you know okay. can i hug your submissive oh, yeah, yeah. or um right. you know, ask them about me and i struggled with that for a while because uh, i'm so used to that happening in the vanilla world right. with people asking my partner questions about me um even that was for totally different reasons. I kind of struggled with that for a little bit when right. I first, you know, came. Are you in. okay with that now? I am. Like you, yeah. You like now I know that it's not about my disability. It's right. It's about the protocol. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, what do you enjoy about being um, submissive? Mm -hmm. I feel like it gives me just a freedom to be myself, mm. and it's it takes away a lot of anxiety and worry for me. Hmm. And, and I also feel like. Like in your general life or general life. life. Yeah. Oh, okay. Interesting. Um, and well, how far does it extend for you? I think it, you said you're in a 24 seven, right? Yeah. 24 seven. So like so, all aspects of your life or certain. Um, all aspects. 
Oh wow! We live okay. together, and yeah, yeah. So it's it's pretty much all twenty four seven. And but as in like your schedule and things like that as well, or and finances. Yeah. Um, wow. Okay. Yeah. Well, scheduling is a little easier now because I'm not working. Well, I shouldn't say that. I'm I'm working full time on desirability. Yeah. You know? And um, when I worked, and you know, for another place, another company. Yeah. You know, I'd be gone most of the day. Um, right. but now I'm at home all day okay. and, um, I was going to say as far as the kink play aspect, yeah. um, you know, I feel like it's helped me with being able to create more intimacy because mm. for me, like I would have pain and things like that when having sex. Oh, and see. so kink kind of gave me an alternative to that. Mm. And so that was really nice. Oh, so you mean like as play as an alternative to sex? Yeah. Okay, cool. So it creates more intimacy yeah. in my partner if I'm not able to right. have sex or if I'm not feeling well, so I can't, right. you know, do certain things. Yeah. So that was really It's like nice. a constant intimacy, like reinforcement loop, so to, yeah. so to speak. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And then I realized in the beginning of our relationship, you know, I, I, at first I thought I was only submissive in the bedroom mm. and I thought I could never be 24 yeah. seven. But then I realized, um, I remember I had to, and we weren't even living together at the time, but I had to get new flooring in my house mm. Mm. and I had to decide between laminate or, uh, carpet. Right. And I couldn't make the decision. I was struggling yeah. and I was anxious. I couldn't sleep, all these things. Yeah. I okay. talked to him about it and he's like, go with the laminate. Yeah. And like suddenly, like that was all gone. <laughs> you right. know, being able to turn over that decision just yeah. was like, whoo. <laughs> right. So, so yeah, it's, it's just been very freeing for me. And, yeah. um, you know, and, and I know now that like in the past, I would be very, like a very people pleasing type of person. I was very kind mm. of codependent and yeah. I don't have to be like that anymore. Like now mm. I have one person that I serve right. and that's it. You know, like I have a, a good person that cares for me and right. takes care of me and um, you know, that I can serve and I, I don't have to feel like I have to serve everybody. Right. <laughs> that part of okay. me that wants to nice. serve is being yeah. used in a healthy nice. way. Nice. Oh yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Hmm. That's really cool. Yeah. Yeah, I don't, I've never tried it in a twenty-four-seven mm -hmm. um, situation. Like, uh, more like, you know, just like around the house, just like in a plea, in a teasing, playful way. Mm -hmm. uh, I've never. Do you have? Do you guys have like a contract? Yeah. Like a written arrangement. So we didn't actually write it yet. We are in the okay. process of writing it. Oh, cool. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, uh, you know, we're always adding things to, to it. Um, so it's sort of in process. Okay. Yeah. I remember that uh, watching that movie, uh, Secretary or The Secretary. Yes. I forget uh -huh. what. Um, and I think people have different opinions about it. But I just remember I was like, oh, wow, this is really hot. Yeah. Um, like there was a certain protocol and all that, so. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Um, so did you, is this your first sort of like written agreement relationship? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Are you into like the collaring stuff or is that not? Uh, we haven't, well, I have a sleeve bracelet, so it's a little okay. bit different. I don't have like a right. collar. I have yeah. a sleep bracelet that I, I have to wear every day. Right. So Interesting. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> it's and just, part it's of that cool. came, part of that came from my last job I was in. I wasn't allowed to wear anything around my neck. Oh, okay. So makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, so yeah you gotta you gotta adapt. Like people think it's like this authoritarian thing, but no, like it's a negotiation, right? Like it's exactly a, it's an agreement. So right. Um and it's beautiful in that mm -hmm. way because it lets you do things you wouldn't do that in vanilla context would seem very um, oppressive. But when it's chosen, it's almost like, um, yeah, like the power 
like there's a lot of power in also giving up or giving that submission. Yes. Very cool. So how can folks get a hold of you if they'd like to reach out? Sure. Uh, everything is linked on my website, which is datingcoachonwheels.com. Uh, and I'm also same handle on Instagram, datingcoachonwheels. Oh, yeah. Any last words you'd like to leave us with? Uh, thanks so much for having me on. This is cool. It's, I've talked to people about kink and I've talked to people about disability and sex. Um, so it's cool to be able to talk to somebody about all those things at once. Yeah. Awesome. Thank you so much for coming on. At the end of every episode, I'll be posting a question for you to consider. In today's episode, Amin described how people look at those of us with disabilities as if we're angels and can do no wrong. Have you ever experienced this phenomenon? I know I have. Have you experienced that in the kink world as well as the vanilla world? I'd love to hear your thoughts and experiences around this topic. Go to desirabilityalt.com. That's D-I-S-I-R-ability.com and share your thoughts with me. Desirability Alt will be back with a brand new episode on Monday, September 21st. Thank you for joining us today. Be well. Desirability Alt was created and hosted by me, Angela Carr. Opinions expressed are from my own personal experience or that of my guests. Did you like what you heard today? Be sure to follow Desirability Alt wherever you listen to podcasts. Until next time, you can also find me at desirability.com or on any social media at desirability. That's D-I-S-I-R-ability. Thank you for sharing this journey with me.